I am in Psalm 118 this morning. I'm preaching in the fifth book of the Psalter this summertime. And Psalm 118 is a great psalm. I commend it all to you, all 29 verses, but I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to read 5 through 9, starting out, then I'm going to skip down a little bit to 13 and 14. If you have your Bibles, it's Psalm 118. Pushed back, about to fall. A line from the psalm. You'll hear it in just a moment. Verse 5 says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Verse 13 says, I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Have you ever heard that one before? There it is, Psalm 118.24. Let's say it together. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God made this day. The psalm begins and ends with the same verse. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. There's a theme in Psalm 118 that I want you to catch. This morning, I know it's breathtaking sometimes what people can do, good and bad. If you've been across the Huey P. Long lately, you've seen those big brackets they attach to the bridge. How many of you have seen them? They hoisted one of them up there by special cables that they made. It weighs 2,650 tons. They hoisted it from the barge they built it on. It's 450 feet long. And they brought it up to the bridge and pinned it in there to a set they'd already made on the other side. I drove through two of those brackets now that they've put on the Huey P. Long Bridge. I mean, I have a low amazement threshold, all right? A lot of things amaze me. But I'm amazed at that. I can't hardly wait to get to Egypt and see the pyramids. Some people call it one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, how they built this ancient civilization, built these huge monuments. I want to see them, lay my eyes on them. It's breathtaking to me to see these things. It, it surprises me what men can do. But I tell you what, human ability has its limitations. And you learn that as you move through life and you face difficulties and hardships, 
Humans have their abilities. They also have their disabilities. And there comes a time when nothing else matters but do you know the God whose power is limitless, whose wisdom is unsearchable, whose love is as high as the heavens and deeper than the sea. Do you know God? There comes a time when that's the only thing that matters. This psalmist is pushed back and about to fall. He's teetering on the brink like sometimes we are. At the end of our rope, don't think we can go on. We've had as much as we can take. We're about to break. That's where he is. Your extremity is God's opportunity. God drove that point home to me even this morning in a discussion I had completely unrelated to anything I was about to preach where someone in the room said, when you're flat on your back and you look up, that's your answer. Your extremity is God's opportunity. I had decided to preach on this theme and I had lunch with one of the men in the church this week. And I said, well, how did you come to know the Lord? And he shared with me an extreme moment in his life. When things were more difficult than they'd ever been before. And that's when God reached his heart. Extremes come in all shapes and sizes. This psalmist doesn't really get specific about the extremity that is occurring in his life. But you can guess the extremities, and you may be facing them right now. Maybe you have been diagnosed with a disease or a sickness, or you're facing difficult surgery. Maybe somebody in your family or a loved one has passed on, and you can't get past it. Maybe you are facing bankruptcy. You're wondering if you're going to have a job. The company is cutting back. Is your name on the list? Our extremity is God's opportunity. Whatever the extremity might be, I wish I could tell you, hey, the most extreme thing that will ever happen to you in your life is extreme sports. Oh, your extremity is going to be riding a motorcycle or climbing Mount Everest. Or winning the gold at Wimbledon. That's going to be the one thing that tests you the most. But it's probably not going to be extreme sports. It's probably going to be pain in some form or other. Pain of heart, pain of body, pain of mind and spirit. Where you will feel, I just can't take any more of this alienation, discouragement, and difficulty. The anguish in my life. And it is probably in that kind of extremity where God will reach you. Now, your extremity strips away the facade. You can pretend so well when everything's going just fine, when you have plenty of money, when all the people in your life who are supposed to love you are doing so, when you have health and you don't have to go to the hospital and you avoid the nursing home, 
and you hadn't visited the funeral home lately, when everything's going fine, you can lie to yourself about how things are. You can live behind a falsehood. But when the extreme comes, it strips away the lie. It gets life down to its reality. That's why it's such a great moment for God to move in your life. If you feel like you are in an extreme time, and I know there are people in the room who are experiencing a time of real extremity, you are stretched to the limit. That's God's opportunity to demonstrate himself in your life. It's amazing how we go day after day, and as long as things are the way they're supposed to be, we don't feel any need to call on God. No, we, we just go right along, and then the difficulty comes. And all of a sudden, something rises up inside our heart, and we know in our extremity that the answer is beyond us that we are not self-sufficient. Get past the human crutch. Your extremity is God's opportunity, but you got to get past the human crutch. I'm not a humanist, all right? There are some things about humanism that I agree with, but I'm not a humanist. Because humanists think that humans have all the answers and that's the only resource we got. They have reduced life down to just you and me and how we can do things. On this July 4th, I want to point you to the verses here that say, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man, okay? It's in the book. Don't be afraid what man can do to you. That's what he says in here. Get past the human crutch. Life is not all about trusting in your own abilities and maybe the abilities of those around you. In your extremity, you know there's a God in heaven who must help if you were to receive an answer. Jesus said, don't be afraid of people. People loom too big in our minds. You know, we, we look to them too much. Some of us have left the church because of people. We let people get between us and God. We've watched people so much, we forgot the church is about God. It's worshiping Him. It's who He is. We don't need to be looking at people when we come to worship. We need to see God. Don't be afraid of people. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can hurt the body, but after that they have no more control over you or power over you. I'll tell you whom you should fear, He said. Fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. I tell you, fear him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. He's talking about God. Save your fear for God. 
get past the human crutch. Don't depend on man for your answers. I love to tell people. I told folks in the juvenile detention center this week, listen, people will let you down. Everybody in the room knows that. But Jesus never fails. He is the faithful one who is always true. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the God who is there in your trouble, in your heartache, in your sorrow. When you're all by yourself and nobody sees your tears, God sees them. I mean, that is a wonderful truth to embrace with all your heart. In your extremity, in the valley of the shadow of death, he is there to give his comfort, his consolation, his presence, his wisdom. Get past the human crutch. People will let you down. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Verse 8 says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Sometimes we suppose, well, the, the solution to my problem is not little people, but big people. But here the psalmist says, it's not just man in general. Even the princes can't help out. There was a Lutheran preacher who wrote back during the uh, days of the revolution, and he looked upon George Washington with respect. He admired his respect for God's word, and he said of George Washington that the Lord preserved him from harm in the midst of countless perils, that God watched over the general. Dependence upon God as protector and friend. Are you trusting in the Lord or are you afraid? Are you anxious? Fear is the opposite of faith. God wants you faith in him, not being afraid of circumstances or individuals. Take refuge in the Lord. People here, the psalmist said, rejected the capstone. Verse 22 is an interesting verse. Look at verse 22 for a minute. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Some of you know that verse, not from the Old Testament reference, but from the New. And who does it refer to in the New Testament? It's talking about Jesus. And who are these builders who rejected Jesus? They are the religious authorities of the day. They are the big people. And they turned down the one who in the end was the capstone of all that was built. It is a picture of human failure. The execution of Jesus unjustly on a cross 2,000 years ago. The mockery of a trial that he went through. All that happened to Jesus, the capstone of everything God did, all that happened to him is a testament to the limitations and disabilities of human beings. Get past the human crutch. Trust in the Lord Jesus. Are you a Jesus person? Have you discovered in Jesus all that you need? Have you discovered that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Is that how you live your life? Would you, would you describe yourself essentially as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus? Is that who you are? 
describing your essential personality, the real you. Is that how you talk? Jesus calls you to faith in him, radical faith, a full dependence on him in this life and the next. He wants your heart and everything about you. Choose the better way. I like how the psalmist says, as he's reciting along in his anguish, he cried to the Lord and the Lord saved him. And he says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man, even to trust in princes. Don't think the government's going to be the solution to your problem. Trust in the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Depend upon him. Choose the better way. Some foolishly reject God in their extremity because they feel hypocritical. They get to the difficult place in their life and they've been coasting all along, doing just fine, not really paying any attention to God, and then they get in their trouble and they think, well, I can't really pray now. That's not fair. It'd be hypocritical of me to turn to God in my trouble. I haven't trusted God before. Hey, get over that notion. The extremity comes upon you so that you will trust in the Lord. You've never needed faith like you need it now. So turn to God in your extremity. Choose the better way. Don't reject him because you've turned your back on him in the good times. There's a thief on the cross who lived outside of God's plan and purpose all his life. But when he was dying, he knew he had one hope. And he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, not, sorry, fella, you proved all along you weren't dependent or looking toward God. Instead, he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Good news for a man who turned to God in his extremity and trusted in the Lord, even though that wasn't the pattern of his life. You say, preacher, do you believe in deathbed conversions? Oh, yes. I've seen many of them. Throughout my ministry, I've seen people turn to the Lord, and they were terminal with cancer. I'm thinking of a man in Texas who lived all his life hardened and away from God, didn't want his kids coming to church. We'd go and pick them up and bring them. And when he got lung cancer, he went in that hospital, and we went and prayed with him. He trusted Jesus as Savior, and he glowed for the last two weeks of his life and talked about Jesus to everybody that came in that room. You say, was he really a Christian? He sure was. He trusted God in his extremity. He chose the better way. You can choose. Choose the one who's bigger than you. He is the refuge in trouble. A refuge is something that's large, maybe that's huge. When I see the word refuge in the book of Psalms, I always think of the cave of Adullam where David hid out in the wilderness. You remember that? time in David's life when all of those rabble-rousers, he gathered them together and they had this band of guys who had run away from the government and they were hiding out in the hills near Bethlehem and they had this cave that they went to and that was their headquarters. Our God is a huge refuge. He, he surrounds you on every side. He takes you in. He protects you above and below and on every side. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. You know, this thing about choosing is part of the psalm here. 
you know, the encouragement, the admonition is, listen, you don't have to live just dependent on your own resources. There's a God in heaven who loves you, and if you call out to him, he will answer you. So make a choice. Turn your life toward him. Depend upon him in your extremity. It is better to trust in him. God will not force you to turn to him. He's not going to violate your will. God will allow you to die in your sins and rebellion if that's what you want. He made you free and you can reject his offers of help. But it is better to trust in the Lord and to take refuge in the Lord. That's the better way. So choose the better way. Hear that the Lord loves you. He cares for you. And choose him. You can improve your living by turning to God. Life can be better for you. You can have more love, more joy, more peace in your life. The things that you really value can be multiplied in your life. There's a better way than just depending on your own resources and who you are. There's the God who made you and who loves you. And the better way is turning to him. The psalm begins and ends with this wonderful verse, give thanks to the Lord for what? He is good. I, like you, am disturbed by the oil spill and what it is doing to the ecosystem of our state and the infrastructure of our state and the economic structure of our state. I'm worried, like you, about this. But I tell you, the oil spill can't steal my joy. I'm not going to live in a deep, dark hole because something bad has happened. Just not going to do it. Sometimes we choose to just look at the ugly and the awful Sometimes we end up thinking that the ugly and the awful, the sick and the blighted, that's the, that's the reality. That's what life is. The word of God has a different message for you. And this is it. This world is governed by a God who is good. He is better than you can imagine. His goodness extends to the ends of the earth. And he is the one who created it all. And fundamentally, at the heart of this universe, there is a good God who loves you. And that's the structure of how things are. It's the reality and so when you give thanks to the Lord, it's not because you're living in a Pollyanna world and avoiding the realities that are around you. You're actually confessing and affirming the fundamental reality of life that God is good. For you to give thanks, even in the midst of hardship, even at your extremity, is to acknowledge and affirm the truth about the world. There is a good God who loves us individually, who cares for us, 
and comes to us in our need. George Washington said that you could attract the Revolutionary Army by the blood of their feet. Did you ever read that? When they got to Valley Forge in December of 1777, it was so cold and conditions were so harsh, their clothing began to deteriorate, including their shoes. Many of the men were just wrapping their feet in rags. They did not have enough food. They did not have enough shelter. It was a cold and bitter winter in Valley Forge, and 2,500 of those revolutionary soldiers died in Valley Forge that winter. But George Washington did something on a regular basis, regardless of the harsh conditions. Over and over again, he called his troops to a day of thanksgiving. They gave thanks. I'm sure you know that the day of thanksgiving itself was birthed in the Plymouth colony after a horrible winter when so many of the loved ones died. Hey, the psalmist is right to bracket his anguish with this call, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. My anguish, my pain, and the extremity of, me of my life does not change the truth that God is good and I should give thanks. On this day, I hear a lot of folks who are grumbling about our country, but listen, on this day, we ought to be giving thanks that we have a bountiful continent, the North American continent, that there is amber waves of grain from sea to shining sea. That's something to give thanks for, that the resources we have here are so enormous and wonderful. We can give thanks for that. We live in a country where we are structured to have participatory government. We vote on our leaders. We can give thanks for that on this July 4th. We can give thanks for the First Amendment that grants us religious liberty so I can stand up here and preach about Jesus without fear of the government coming in to silence me. We need to give thanks for that. That is a good and wonderful thing which we enjoy. There are so many things today to give thanks for. I am grateful to be part of a church that loves me and whom I love. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The hardships that you are going through, God wants you to respond in faith. I know it's tough and it's difficult, but you need to trust him in the middle of it. I don't know why the hardships came upon you. I don't know why these things happened to you and your family. I don't know why you are the one who's being stretched and having the difficulty. I don't have all the whys, but I know what. Take refuge in the Lord. It is better to take refuge in him than to trust in man or in princes. I can't explain why terrible things come upon people, but I know in the midst of them, we are to trust him. We're to have faith. We need to run into the Lord and find refuge in him. You can do that. 
I uh, enjoyed preaching to the Rivard group this week on Wednesday. I went to Pod A. Pod A is the older guys. And they are in there for a lot of pretty terrible things. And as I thought about talking to them, I decided to go with the story of Nicodemus. And I said to the group, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And we read the story of Nicodemus. And I said, what does it mean to see the kingdom? And they came back with answers. These guys locked up for juvenile offenses. They said, well, that means to go to church, one of them said. That's what see the kingdom means. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Another said, that means Jesus. I like that answer. I go back to Jesus with everything. Another one said, it means to go to heaven. That's what see the kingdom is. And I said, you know, many of these things you're mentioning are part of it. But I want you to notice something bigger. God is at work in your world in all kind of ways. And until you're born again, you cannot see what he's doing. You got to be born of the Spirit to be able to see it. And sometimes you suppose you live in a God-forsaken world and you can't see the hand of God anywhere or his activity anywhere in your life. You need to be born again so you can see the kingdom. And if you've been born again, you need to get your spiritual eyes on so you can see the kingdom and see what God's doing. Even in the midst of your extreme circumstances, God is at work. And there are all kinds of ways in which he's working. And once you see the kingdom in your world, it's just a different place to live. It's a happier and more peaceful place to live. When you can see the activity of God and know that he is working with people and circumstances in your life, the new birth opens your eyes. Oh, I was missing this before. God is truly at work in my world. Nicodemus said, well, how am I ever going to get born again? Can I go back into my mother's womb and be born the second time? Jesus said, no, it's being born of water and of the Spirit. I said, guys, what do you think that water is? They all guessed baptism. But I suggested something else to them, having just had a new grandbaby. When Rebecca got to the hospital having contractions, they broke her water, all right? That's sort of like being born out of water. When you were in your mother's womb, you were floating in water. You were in a sack of water. You got to be born of water to see the kingdom, but you also got to be born of the spirit. It's the natural birth and the spiritual birth. To really see that God is your refuge, that this is the better way, that he's at work in your world, that you have this option. You gotta be born again of the Spirit of God. You've been born once physically. 
Now it's time to be born again through the Spirit. You say, how does that happen to me? That happens when you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. I need to be rescued like this fellow in the psalm. Forgive me for my sin. I open my life to you. I want you in my heart. Let's bow together. If you've never trusted Jesus, this would be a great day to commit your life unto him and discover the freedom that comes in Christ. If you need a church home, this would be a great day to join up with this family of faith. If you need to pray with someone about an extreme in your life or the life of someone you love, this would be a great moment just to go to one of our prayer counselors in a minute and pray with them. God, do your work in us today. Help us hear your voice and respond. In Jesus' name, amen.